Love Talk Radio. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the official Redbird Rants podcast, season two. This is episode seven of season two. And right now we are trying to get Tito live. We've got some technical difficulties, so bear with us. And as we go through this, we have a great show in store for you tonight. We will be talking several fantastic things, including news from around the uh, scores and news from around MLB, a reaction to the current game of the Cardinals and the Cubs is taking place right now. We're going to look at how the Cardinals have been two weeks in, now that we're two weeks into the system, uh, into the season, excuse me. We're also going to look at what's the biggest surprise, who is the biggest surprise, and who is the biggest letdown. So we've got so many great things in store in the next hour. So please bear with us as we go through a couple of things here with some technical difficulties. I'm going to play a couple of audio clips for you as we try to get everybody with us. So bear with us and enjoy these audio clips. And in the meantime, let me tell you a couple of things that are going on. Uh, tonight, we had a really wonderful showing from Adam Wainwright. Honestly, under the conditions, just a really, really wonderful showing. <clears throat> Looked like some good vintage Wainwright. The velocity is still down, but he had a lot of movement, and I think that was helping pretty dramatically. Uh, as, and let me tell you all, as I was driving home tonight from my son's soccer game, I was listening to XM Radio. And if you know XM, they air all of the home broadcasts over the radio. Now you can log in with the app and listen to them, uh, listen to your broadcast. So in our case, listen to the St. Louis Cardinals broadcast. And that's oftentimes what I do tonight. However, I just turned on the radio and was listening to the game coming in. And what struck me was how the announcers for the Cubs were talking about the cold weather affecting um, their pitcher and affecting his ability to grasp the ball. And then they would talk about how Wainwright was not seeming to have those same difficulties. And I thought that was really something. You know, here we have Adam Wainwright, who has not had the best season. And, uh, but he is able to manufacture things. And I'll tell you, probably the cold weather affected uh, the game, the cold weather certainly had less of an effect on Wainwright because he wasn't trying to throw at high velocity. <clears throat> and in, in his place, he was just trying to get the ball over the plate, have some movement to it. And in that regard, the cold weather was not having a very negative effect. Again, if you're just joining us, this is the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode seven of season two. Uh, Please bear with us. We're having technical difficulties through Blog Talk Radio. No big deal. We'll get things going once we can get Tito live. He is with us. 
We're just having some trouble getting him unmuted. Um, <clears throat> so back to the game. Let me also talk about this. We saw tonight what has been a pandemic with this St. Louis Cardinals of 2018, and that is the Cardinals have a massive problem being able to manufacture hits. And what we saw tonight was a lot where a lot of walk team is really showing us either they've got it together and are putting hits together or they, uh, they strike out or they walk. And that's, that's what we're seeing from this rather inconsistent team. Um, So as Tito bears with us, uh, we're still, still working on it, still trying and bear with me too, because I'm trying to talk to you all at the same time, trying to get this to where I can get Tito with us live, uh, where we can hear him. I know he can hear us right now, and we can't wait for him to, to come on here and share his opinions with us. Um, if you're watching the game live, <clears throat> Jordan Hicks came in and, and was just downright ugly and filthy against uh, Bryant, and, and that is fantastic. I, I will see that any day. I mean, literally, I will watch that any day. Um, So, again, bear with us. We're going to have Tito try to call back in and see if we can make that happen. Um, And you know what? This sort of thing happens, unfortunately, all the time. Now, let's talk about the weather for just a minute in Chicago. As you know, yesterday's game was too cold, too rainy, too snowy uh, to happen. That game is now going to be played as a doubleheader on July 21st. The team has announced that effective tonight. So there will be a doubleheader played on July 21st. That's after the All-Star break, and it will feature uh, the Cardinals and the Cubs, and that will be an exciting thing. Uh, I imagine that if you had tickets to yesterday's game at Wrigley Field, that they will be honored uh, for the game on the 21st. Again, that's July 21st. There will be a two-game doubleheader on that day that's following up after the All-Star break. Uh, that will be a great momentum, and hopefully at that time there will be a little more clarity in the NL standings. Um, <clears throat> and if not, it will certainly be a heavy, heavy competition. So, Listen, while we were waiting on Tito, there's another thing that was kind of interesting to me today, and that was the fact that the Colorado Rockies beat the the Pittsburgh Pirates by a score of two to nothing. And and most of the time, you know, in the past, we would say that that's not a big deal, you know, that the um, that the Pirates are, are somewhat easy to beat. But that's not what we're seeing this year. What we're seeing this year is a Pirates team that has absolutely been on fire. And for them to host the Colorado Rockies in Pittsburgh and lose two to nothing is pretty, pretty much something because the Pirates have been the surprise to everyone. I have to tell you, if it were up to me, Going into the season, I would have said that the Pittsburgh Pirates were 100% not going to be an issue, uh, and I am having to eat crow because they 100% are an issue. They absolutely are something to be reckoned with, and we haven't seen them yet. The St. Louis Cardinals have not gone head-to-head with them. Uh, something else of interest interest uh, for her uh, first game is the fact that Greg Garcia got a start. Greg Garcia had a great game facing the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, and very interesting that he would get, fortunately, though, his start didn't pan out like it did in Cincinnati. 
Uh, it was a, a very difficult thing for him. He didn't show, uh, thus far at least, has not shown anything that was even reminiscent of what he was doing in Cincinnati. Uh, as of the last time I checked on his line, he had recorded two strikeouts. And uh, as we all know, that's, that's just not going to cut it. All right, so let's do this. What we're going to do really quickly is I'm going to just take a short little break. Bear with us. When we come back from the break, hopefully we can get Tito with us live and we can get this thing kicked off in the right way. So you are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast. This is season two, episode number seven on Blog Talk Radio. Stay with us. Ready, set. Spartan Race is back for 2018, and we're accepting no excuses. Barbed wire crawls, tire drags, spear throws, and much more. Whatever your ability, you'll discover the right challenge for you. Take on our 5 to 25 kilometer events designed to push you to limits you never knew you could overcome. Complete an obstacle course race and let adventure back into your life. Are you ready to unleash your inner Spartan warrior? Visit spartanrace.uk. And we are back. If you are joining us now, this is Season 2, Episode 7 of the official Redbird Rants podcast, and I am so overjoyed to let you know that the great Tito Rivera is live with us. Tito, welcome to the show. <laughs> Finally. Hey, man. Uh, good job holding the fort down. I've been, at least I've been listening this entire time. You know what? I, I wouldn't be able to do it if I weren't having our, the sweet tea. And you know what sweet tea yeah. I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking yeah. about not your mom, not your mom's sweet tea. For those of yeah. you who don't know, Tito and I love to share what drinks we, we enjoy. And he recommended to me, if you don't know it, it's Small Town Brewery. It's not your mom's sweet tea. It is a great beer that is uh, brewed to taste like sweet tea. It is outstanding. And Tito, let me tell it you, is. I'm sitting on my, on my front porch here at the new farm in this beautiful 70 degree weather here and on the south side of Memphis. And, uh, you know, maybe you can hear the, the crickets in the back and maybe an occasional dog bark. You may even get to hear a donkey bay. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> there we are. And I'm going to let you talk for a little bit so I can take a couple of breaths, but I dove right in Tito. And we, and I talked as you heard about the, the game we were, we're seeing tonight. Uh, let me toss it to you and ask you this question and then let you take over as host. Cause that's what we had planned sure. anyway. Uh, what, what reactions do you have to what you are seeing or have seen thus far in tonight's game? I, I think the biggest reaction or the biggest thing that you can take away or any Cardinal fan can take away from this right now is, is Adam Wainwright's start. Um, you know, five innings, one run, picks up, you know, a few strikeouts, doesn't walk too many players. You know, he's done typically well against the, the Cubs. And one thing that I would point out for, you know, for Cardinal fans is that, you know, they said it in the broadcast themselves. Uh, five and 14 last year, uh, two and seven in one run games against the Cubs. You know, that's that's a really, really, really uh, tough series that you're going to face here, and um, it's unfortunate that we don't get to see three games. But, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to take these games with a grain of salt, and it's still going to be close, and um, that's typically how these play, you know, these are going to play. Um, 
But another thing that you would take away from this game for me um, is, is Matt Carpenter getting a double. <laughs> um, uh, that typically, you know, in years past, you would say, oh, well, that's nothing new. But we all know, we all see the struggles that Matt Carpenter is going uh, going through right now. And for him to be able to uh, get a double was nice. And I would say if it, if it was 10 degrees warmer, maybe even 5 degrees warmer, that double probably would have been a home run. And, and you're talking about a, a three, uh, you know, a, a 3-1 game instead of a 2-1 game right now. Um, and so that that's where I'm kind of picking up some of this stuff. Um, I just watched Jordan Hicks pitch and, and gosh, he just looks so good. I, there's, there's no, there's nothing you can really say bad about him. I mean, you can't teach 102 miles an hour um, and you can't teach a, uh, you can't teach a slider at 84 after that. So, you know, seeing him pitch and seeing Dominic Leone go in there in the seventh inning and, and or in the sixth inning and, and uh, take care of business as well. It was great. Now it'll be interesting to see if Hicks comes out for the eighth inning or if they opt to go somewhere else. My guess is that he does go for the eighth inning. Um, it'll be interesting then to see who they use as closer. Uh, you would guess that uh, Bud Norris is probably going to get the, the save opportunity once again. Um, he, he will be rested, so that could you know help out. Um, but it would be interesting to see if they would uh, use Greg Holland. I, I know they're trying to work him back into games. He hasn't looked too bad uh, the last couple outings, um, but this is a different animal. I mean, you were talking about, uh, uh, you know, a division division uh, leading – or not division leading Cubs, but uh, consequences consequences for the division right here. So it will be very interesting to see. Um, Dr. Miles – who do you think Mike Matheny is going to go with in the ninth inning should the save opportunity be there? <clears throat> well, I, as soon as I got home, I turned on the television and I heard them uh, you know, talking about, you know, Dan was talking that Matheny had said today that you know, with Luke Gregerson coming off of the disabled list, that they're going to ease him back into games and not give him closing situations. So I think in that regard, it goes between Norris, as you said, with Holland and backup. Now here's, here's conundrum that I think that Matheny has to face tonight. And this worries me dramatically. And it worries me dramatically, dramatically because as you all know, I, I am not a Matheny fan and I don't like the way he manages in game. So God willing, this is going to be a decision that Mike Maddox gets to make with the weather being so cold, which of those two guys is going to be more effective in facing this weather? Cause quite honestly, if you watch the game you saw the polar opposites of pitching in the starting pitchers tyler chatwood was trying to throw heat and in this cold night he couldn't get a grip on the baseball and so he didn't have a great amount of control and that's why he walked so many guys on the flip side as i had said earlier in my soliloquy that um adam wainwright can't throw heat anymore because of his advanced age and so what he does instead is he's now figured out, hey, I can't throw any faster than 90, 92, and I'm not going to try to. And I'm okay if my fastball's at 89, so long as I can drop my curve at, say, 60 or 65 or 70. And that's what he did tonight. That curveball looked amazing in this cold weather. Yeah. And, yeah. and so in that regard, then, who do you put out there? 
does Norris have better off-speed stuff, or does Holland have better off-speed stuff? I I don't know. Maybe you put yeah. maybe you put Norris out first. I would say you ride the hot hand at this point. And and, and speaking of, uh, I guess semi-hot hands. Uh, Paul De Young just actually homeward for the Cardinals. Um, oh, so the score's now three to one. It's about I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I hope, hey, I've got I him in all my. I pretty much have him in all my fantasy lineups. So uh, it was really nice to see him homer <laughs> right there. Yeah, so, I mean, on Twitter, yeah, somebody I, said three three strikeouts and a home run. The story of Paul DeYoung. I mean, that that should actually be his biography. True. Paul DeYoung colon yeah. three strikeouts and a home run. Yeah, and 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 you know, going back to what we were just talking about uh, in terms of you know, who has the better off-speed stuff. I'm not so sure if it's going to come down to that. I think you have to ride the hot hand in Bud Norris right now. Um, You would typically say that Holland is going to be your primary closer no matter what. But right now, the Cardinals should be focused on winning these games with the players that have been performing well. And Bud Norris, as much as I hate the signing and I hated the signing, he has performed well. And so you you yeah, cannot let, say, let this game let, you can't get this, let this game get away. I, I'm, I'm, that's all I need I, to say about I, it. I do agree with you. Let me add this. There's two points I want to make very quickly. Number one, uh, Paul DeYoung's home run was to left field, and that's really important because all throughout the game, uh, Chris Bryant went to left field. Um, at Rizzo, who doesn't want to play any more baseball because he just wants to make his money and be lazy. If you've been following the quotes that he said, Mm -hmm. and of course I'm making it much worse, Um, but uh, he went to left field and they all seemed to die and go right to Ozuna. So uh, the point is uh, Paul DeYoung's home run probably would have gone out of the stadium if it'd been a month later going in that direction. Uh, So good, good, good for him. Uh, The other thing is I completely agree with you. I think you put, Bud Norris out there. And listen, I actually advocated, if you remember, for signing Bud Norris before the Cardinals actually did it. But mm-hmm. I didn't say give him a major league contract. Let's make that clear. I said give him a minor league contract and see what he could do because I figured that he could be used as long relief. I figured that he could be an um, insurance sixth starter. Uh, I'm glad he's not starting. I'm glad that he's kind of taken the opposite approach that Wainwright did, whereas Wainwright started as a closer and became a starter. He started as a starter, stymied the Cardinals for so many years, and is now closing for them uh, in a a pseudo-closer position. But I think you're right. I I don't know in the cold weather, to be honest with you, if I'm Mike Maddox, if I want to put Greg Holland out there. Yeah, I, I just I don't see it again. I'm I'm riding the hot hand. I'm I'm wanting games to matter at this point. And you know, again, I, I go back to what I said earlier and talked about earlier. And I've talked about it in so many pieces as well. It feels like everybody's catching up to me. Is that you look at the NL Central from last year? The Cardinals did not do well. And, I, and again, they were five and fourteen against the Cubs, ten and nine against the Reds. Uh, I think they, the only winning record besides the Reds was against the Pirates, and it was like I think 11 and eight. Um, and then you had the Brewers, where they were nine and ten. So it's important. Again, it's very important for the Cardinals to get ahead in the standings because I, I and I wrote a piece about this. The Cardinals in their first 95 games played like 60% of them through the division. 
that it is an absurd amount of games in your division to play. And a lot of them are against uh, the, uh, the Brewers, the Reds, and the Pirates, not the Cubs. So what does that mean? That means the second half of the season, you're going to be focusing primarily on your Cubs series. So what a better way to really push the issue of the division with winning these games right now in April and then coming later in May. That's what you have to do. And, 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 and if that means Bud Norris has to be your closer, then Bud Norris is your closer. That's, there's nothing else to it. I agree with you. And honestly, great managers manage in that way. And they create that yeah. competition amongst the positions. You know, I'm going to play the guy who's playing the best. Uh, we saw Tony La Russa do that almost all the time in the last several years with the Cardinals. He rode who was the best. He didn't have favorites. He didn't – well, let me rephrase. He had favorites. We all know that. But he didn't have, like, the Matheny fan club that we see, that he's only going to use these particular guys. Um, that, that didn't happen. And great managers say, if you are playing and playing well, I'm going to play you. Period. End of story. That, you know, that's just how it goes. Right. Right. Yeah. And I guess the unfortunate part for us is we don't have a great manager who who at oftentimes does not have the best bullpen bullpen management. Um, As Matt Carpenter is about to step to the plate with the bases loaded after an infield single by Tommy Pham, pushing Bader to third and, uh, Dexter Fowler to second base. Um, w- one thing that is interesting and, and, and a question that uh, Dan brought up, and I, I kind of want to hit on this, is why Jed Jerko isn't playing today um, if he, you know, if he's healthy. And and my response to him was, well, y- you have to think you're coming back from a hamstring injury in the cold. And one thing that I talked to Trevor Booth about, God bless his soul, even though he's writing for uh, Reviewing the Brew, is when Corey Nebel went down with his hamstring injury, I told Trevor, I said, before they even announced how long he was going to be out, I said, I'm, if it's as bad as I think it is, I guarantee you he will be out six to eight weeks. And that is because of my own experience with hamstring injuries they are very difficult to come back from. And if you do not take care of your body, it is a prolonged injury. And so, you know, what I'm coming from is is saying, why risk putting him out there in, you know, 20-degree weather where your muscles will not warm up properly and it will take a little bit more to get going there's no reason to play him. What did you think? What What do you think of Jed Jerko not playing tonight? I love it, uh, and and for the very reason that you that you said, I saw your conversation uh, with Trevor, and I I agree with you. Um, I think that you have to be very cautious with Jed Jerko. Um, here's the deal with that. It, as great as Jerko is, we need him in August and September, more so than we need him in the frigid cold of April in Chicago. 
and a massive piece of managing and G being the general manager of a team is seeing the long range. And I think playing him today would have been short-sighted. And I think that holding him out and putting him in when it's not so cold makes a lot more sense in terms of keeping him healthy for the, uh, for August and September that, that assumes that he's going to still be a Cardinal in August and September. And he may not be, right. Uh, but, you certainly don't want to waste the value of a player that you may trade at the deadline. Yeah. So um, I don't, and, I don't and mind again, now to your point, if they, yeah. And if they do trade him to your point, um, and it's, yeah. it is, it is very difficult to, to, to see why he would sit. And I understand why you would want to play him. Um, and, and then that brings up the next point of, of Dan and I's conversation was is that, well, you know, why not just keep him down there and have Yaro Munoz? Well, let's look at Munoz's track record so far. He hasn't really <laughs> done anything great. <laughs> I mean, he he really hasn't. Um, and I would much rather – Carpenter just singled to uh, score two runs, it looks like. And – Fam is going to make it to third, so now it is five to one, St. Louis, in the top half of the eighth. As Matt Carpenter uh, decided to show up today, so that's great for him. Uh, but to finish my thought on that was, you know, Yairo Munoz had a great spring, and did he deserve to be on the big league roster? Yes, I mean he played well. You also have to remember he's 23 years old and he's a rookie. And so when he comes into when he comes into uh, to the big leagues and he doesn't do as well, there is a learning curve, and that learning curve has stopped for him, and he needs to go back down and retool his and retool um, his confidence. And I think my my argument for Dan against Dan is is that you want to have experience on your bench. And Jed Jerko provides that experience, and I would be much—I would much rather see him come up to bat than Yairo Munoz at this point in the season, because uh, Yairo is almost a guaranteed out. What, what do you think? What are your comments on that? Percent agree. Uh, and here's the thing: Would you rather Jed Jerko start tonight in Omaha, which is where the Redbirds are playing, or I don't even know where Palm Beach is, where they're playing? Uh, Let's just say in Florida, let's say they're at home. Would you rather Jerko start there and have Munoz sitting on the bench in in Chicago? Or would you rather allow Munoz to go play in a less stressful environment to get his swing down? Because, by the way, Munoz was in the starting lineup tonight for the Memphis Redbirds in the position of designated hitter. That is very telling. They're not worried about his fielding abilities. They're worried about his hitting abilities. So Mm -hmm. he can go somewhere where he can serve as a DH because he can't serve as a DH in MLB unless we're playing interleague. And I don't think we do that until June, if I'm correct. Um, I think it's actually sooner than that. We have a a couple games with the Twins in May because I was planning on going to those games, but uh, that has changed. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so in other words, even then, he'd have to wait until May to do that 
same thing. And to your point, the greater threat off the bench is Jerko. Right. Period. And I don't know. I mean, in terms of a rehab start, Jericho doesn't need to swing and see AAA pitching. He doesn't. And playing yeah. for a AAA team who's in Omaha versus playing for a, a MLB team in Chicago, I, I'm, I don't know what the temperature currently is in Omaha, but my guess is if Chicago is frigidly cold, Omaha is too. And so I don't I mean, it's, know. That it's pretty. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cold. It's pretty cold here in Kansas City. Yeah. So there's there's your answer. I mean, the the fact is, I it's six of one, half a dozen of another. So he either plays in Omaha and risks being hurt, being Jerko, or he sits on the bench in Chicago and can potentially come in if needed to pinch hit. Uh, that's the bet I'm going with. Right. Uh, and I think it's it's a fair it's a fair question. Don't get me wrong. Uh, why not? You know, why not use uh, Jed Jericho? And, and you never know. We might even see him pinch hit tonight. Uh, but I don't expect him to play the field. Um, but I, I do expect him to uh, to get some at bats. And you never know. I mean, we have John Lester on the mound tomorrow for the Cubs, left-hander. So you know, that's a good opportunity to get. Uh, Jed Jerko some at bats against uh, you know an opposite arm pitcher so this could be a good opportunity for uh, you know for Jed Jerko uh, we're going to take a really quick break we're about halfway through the show tonight you're listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast episode seven season two stick with us. And welcome back to the official Redbird Rants podcast. I'm your host, Tito Rivera. And after some technical difficulties, I am back in the saddle. And I'm joined by my co-editor, Dr. Miles, who held down the fort for us for the first, I don't know, maybe five to ten minutes or so. Um, we just got done talking about some some fresh reaction from tonight's game. And you probably heard me interject and uh update you on the game if you're if you're listening to us and watching along as well. Um, but we're going to move into some more questions about the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, and, and seemingly, let's start with how they've played in the first two weeks. You know, if they go on and win tonight, they will move um, to a season high, looks like what, five games in a row and move to 10 and 7. Um, that's pretty good. Considering who they played, what kind of schedule they played, what weather they faced, you know, you can't really ask for a, a much better start. Dr. Miles, what do you make of the Cardinals' play through the first two weeks of the season? It's very interesting because I, and I'm trying to work on this this season, but I oftentimes take a pretty pessimistic look at the Cardinals that I love so dearly. Um, and my own family will say, and my own wife says, it's only the fourth inning, calm down. You know, because I'll say <laughs> it's all doom and gloom. It's only the fourth inning, calm down. Or it's only the third inning, calm down. When, when I heard you talk about it, and if they take tonight and win tonight and they go to three games over 500, I'd have to look back and maybe they'll write about this tomorrow, but I don't recall there being a whole lot of time in 2017 that the Cardinals set three games over 500. I seem to remember that they 
you know, vacillated between uh, one game, two games up to one game, two games under 500 um, in that season. And I'll have to go back and look at the records to see. But being three games over 500 is a really nice way to go. And I'll tell you, had we not swept the Reds, had it been in the opposite direction, had it been, had we dropped two games to the Reds, I, I think that we we're looking at a different team. Um, and I'm not saying that this is the team that's going to run the Central because I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that this team has the ability and opportunity to take on a role different than they have in the past and perhaps play more of a spoiler role. And that, by, by its own nature, gets them into the playoffs than thinking, hey, let's go and try to win the division. And by the way, I'm not saying that they openly say we're not going to win the division because I don't think that gets you anywhere. I think they play every day like they want to win the division. But I think when push comes to shove, they say, you know what, we, we were the spoiler. You know, we went into Chicago, into Wrigley on the 17th of April when it was negative two degrees, and we defeated them. Um, and, and then yeah. I would love for nothing more than tomorrow for John Lester to have to throw over to first. I, I just I need <laughs> to see that about not nine times tomorrow. And I will be watching from my office. Uh, waiting for every one of those, and I'll probably scare people in the building for any time he does have to throw over. Because I've heard, um, and I know I've kind of taken this on a little tangent here, but I've heard that uh, Lester has incorporated a bounce throw to first. Yeah, and to update everybody on the game, Javi Baez just hit a two-run home run off Greg Holland. Out. Um, and so the game Ouch. is now, yes, uh, now the game is 5-3. to three. It honestly wasn't a bad pitch. He went down and got it, and Javi Baez has a natural uppercut swing for right-hander, so uh, that was uh, a no-doubter. I mean, he hit it, he hit it a, a long way. Probably would have gone further than DeYoung's home run had it been warmer. Uh, but it's a new inning for Greg Holland, so he'll get a chance to uh, throw again. But I did look up on baseball reference to see when the Cardinals made it to – three games above 500 for the first time last season. That did not happen until Monday, May 8th, in the midst of their six-game uh, win streak against Atlanta and Miami, the two lowlies of – or two of the three lowlies last year in the NL East when they went 17-14. and 14, And they actually, because of that game, ended up going a half game up on – the central division. So that, there you go, Dr. Miles, you know, in terms of where they were last year versus where they are this year. I mean, if you go back on April, looks like April 17th last year, their record was four and nine. And they're searching for their 10th win right now. Yeah. And that's, I I mean, that's amazing. Uh, And I think that we need to keep that, we need to remember that. And, and maybe, even though we've talked a lot about it in our group, about moving Matt Carpenter out of the, the three spot, uh, maybe keeping him there and solidifying these roles 
is going to reap benefits. And maybe that's what we're starting to see. Maybe, maybe having it to where you've got Jose Martinez, uh, you know, as a dominant force and, and Yadier who's gone back to pulling pitches instead of trying to, you know, bloop them over first, uh, you know, all these different things. And of course, I mean, you can't say, you, you cannot ignore the addition of Marcelo Zuna. I mean, when you bring right. the big bear into the mix, we didn't have a big bear in 2017. We had a bunch of guys trying to be the big bear, but we didn't have one. And they have it now. And I think that's just, that's great. Yeah. And again, it it speaks to the chemistry, I guess, the team chemistry, the team makeup. And, and we'll see. I mean, this team has an opportunity to, to be really good, you know, and I would have to guess that, you have to think this cold weather is not only affecting the Cardinals, but everybody that's going through baseball. So, I, I mean, if the Cardinals can put up five runs and, and look good in April in this cold weather, you know, let, let's talk a month later and see where they are. You know, we could be talking about uh, some serious some serious run scoring, and they've already done that. I mean, they have the most home runs in the, uh, in the National League, and I think close to maybe the most run or home runs in all of baseball. Um, and that's with all this cold air going on. So, you know, imagine what they're going to be able to do here, here shortly as uh, Greg Holland walks a batter to put a guy on first with nobody out in the bottom of the eighth inning. It's five to three Cardinals. Um, so, yeah. Hey, Tito, why, have, why do yeah. you think, why why do you think he's having such a, a command issue, command problem, Greg Holland? Because he, he has <laughs> yeah. he's been walking people, and I I just I really want to know what do, what do you think his thing is? Look, the, the simple the simple fact of the matter is is that he didn't have a tune he didn't have a tune up like everybody else. There, there you can you can say you worked out on the sideline. You can say whatever you want. He could say, you know what, I pitched for five straight days and I worked on my stuff, blah, 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 blah. But the, the fact of the matter is it wasn't game speed. And if you're not pitching game speed and if you're, you know, you're just keeping your arm fresh, that's not, gonna, that's not good enough. Um, and, the, and the fact of the matter is, is that you, there are a couple ways – to blame this, right? You don't want to pay Holland his, you know, whatever he wanted, a three-year deal worth whatever money. And I understand that. But at some point in January and February, he had to realize he was not going to get that deal. And so I, I, I get frustrated with people when they tell me, well, you know, you can't blame Mike, you know, Moselock and Gersh for not going and getting him sooner. Yeah, I can. Because if he was here on the team with even three weeks of spring training, that is a much better – it's going to be a much better Greg Holland than it would right now. And that's why you're seeing him struggle. He just has not pitched at game speed yet. And, and let me say this another thing here. Palm A doesn't really mean much to me because if you're a big leaguer – as good as Greg Holland has been, you should go down there and, and kick some butt. I would much rather have him tuned up in AAA for a while, for maybe a couple games, instead of Palm A and then get called up right away. 
but that's why he's struggling. And he just has not pitched in, in, in game speed, and that's, again, it may hurt the Cardinals here. It already has hurt the Cardinals in the past, and I've said the exact same thing, much to the chagrin of our, our lovely Twitter, you know, Twitter people out there. So it it, it just you, – you have to take it with a grain of salt because, yes, you sign Holland to a one-year deal, but – but signing him on opening day, it just it rubs me the wrong way, and, and that's that's just me though, I guess. No, I agree with you because I was going to say it frustrated me that he was not ever in Memphis, you know, playing for Memphis, um, for for that very reason, you know, he saw single A and double A guys, and he didn't get a chance to go see some of the, you know, major league talent that was starting out in, in Memphis. He didn't get to see any of that. And I, I you know what? I think he'll be fine. I do think he'll yeah, be I fine. Do too. I do too. Um, but he, he may take longer to get to fine. Um, someone actually just put up on Twitter that, uh, you know, Greg Holland had a much better second half of the year last year. Um, you know, the, no, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Oh, that's right. No, that that's yeah. what this one's saying that he had a terrible end of the year last year, um, and that he's still carrying that forward. That he hasn't had a, a chance to knock that off. Um, you, you know I, what? You're I, right. He's just. I would. I, 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 and remember, I said that earlier. <laughs> right, and I think. Yeah, again, and we we did talk about him coming into the seventh, you know, into the game in in the eighth inning, and and I understand why he was in the game. I mean, you're you have a four run lead, it's not the biggest lead in the world, but you have to get him some game time, and you're going with your best guy. Yeah, but and you can you can't blame Matheny for right? using him. Oh, I'm yeah, I mean, for using him. Is is it right to bring him in? A guy who you know did not have a full spring training, a guy who you know has been having problems with his command, and you're going to bring him in facing the, the dreaded Cubs, the head-to-head against a, a major division rival in negative 20-degree weather. I think uh, that's... I don't, I, I don't... I Again... I don't blame him for using the guys that he has. I, I truly don't. And the last time Greg Holland went out, he actually looked pretty good. He got through the inning, no run, runs allowed and whatnot. I, again, I, I, you go with your best guys, and if that is Greg Holland at that point, because of a four-run lead, then you do it. Um, just be thankful he's not using Matt Bowman. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, because as for as much as we complain about him using that Bowman, you know, that's that's just the reality of the you know of his situation. Because I guarantee you, if Brett Cecil is good and not hurt, Brett Cecil's in this game, and it's not Holland. But Brett Cecil hasn't been good, and he has been. I mean, he's been terrible for the Cardinals. That might be the worst signing that Mo. I bet you Mo regrets signing him to that deal. But that that's the reality that the Cardinals right now have a lot of guys on the in the bullpen that are not necessarily doing well. 
and Mike Matheny has no other choice but to go and get some people. Speaking of Jericho, he's in the game, and I didn't realize that. Oh, he's in the field? (laughs) Yeah, he's playing. I guess Matheny made a double switch, his passing double switch. But but do do you see what I'm saying? he loves that I mean, you can't – I understand where you're coming from and saying, yes, why is Matheny using somebody that's not been – you know, has not shown that he's ready to pitch. But he may not have another option. He's not going to burn Jordan Hicks's arm out, and I praise him for that. Um, and you're not going to, you you know, you you reluctantly would send Bud Norris out for a, a, a six-out save. So you're not going to go do that. You, you have to, we have to just give him the opportunity. Holland has to have the opportunity to pitch. And, and the, the only way that that would happen is either he pitches in the big leagues now in games that matter and gets that experience, or you send him down, and that's not going to happen at this point because he's, he's yeah, Greg and that's Holland a shame because a fourteen million dollar contract, you're not going to do that. That's and, like if you're going to send that Carpenter down right now. Do you honestly think the Cardinals would do that? Should they do it or will they do it? No, Those are two different. No, questions. no, no. Do you th- do you think if Carpenter were to struggle after today? in the next two two weeks, do you honestly think the Cardinals would send him down? No. No. So that's and that's my point with Greg Holland. They unless he was so horrendously bad that his he had no control whatsoever. And as I said, his his the home run he gave up to Javi Baez, it was not a bad pitch. It was low in the zone and Javi Baez just again has a natural uppercut swing. And he hit it out. But you're not going to put somebody that's worth $14 million in the minor leagues because of some, a couple of rough outings. It's just not, it doesn't work like that. He has to, well, you know, maybe you just gave me my, maybe you gave me my article idea for tomorrow because that is so myopic about the business of baseball to say what you say. And you're right. Don't get me wrong. You are absolutely right. That's how the business of baseball works, but it is absolutely wrong for the future of those players. It's absolutely wrong for Greg Holland come July for him to sit up here and suffer and suffer and suffer without having the opportunity to go down and fix himself. And I would say the same thing about Matt Carpenter. If he continues to flounder around, if Matheny's not willing to move him down in the lineup, then send him down to Memphis where there's a real hitting coach who can teach him how to hit again. Uh, get him away from Mabry. And the same is, is true with, with, uh, with Holland. If he needs to go down and close for a series and pitch every single day, whether it's a closed situation or not, to get his, his wheels under him, hey, you know what? That's what you should do. Will they do it? No, because of the very, same, the very reasons that you just said, uh, which is probably right in terms of business, but wrong in terms of the player. Right, and that's again, that's the reality we live in at this point. You know, you can't you can't shun people just because or you can't send people down just because you can. You know, there are consequences to that as well. Otherwise, what's the oh, point sure. of signing him to a what's the point of signing him to a one year deal um, if you're going to just send him down? Uh, and that's a little overshadowed by the fact that 
they signed him so late and he's looked so bad. Um, well, let's, but also, let's, let's add this know. to the mix then, though. But they, they signed him for one year, and all they're doing for themselves right now is they're helping the value lower for signing him beyond this year. So, you know, well, when they go back to the I don't think the year when he gets better. No, I don't either. I don't. But I'm just saying. I don't. You know. Yeah. And, and I understand. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I, I just there's no there. It just makes very little sense to me. Um, but let's go ahead um, and, and let's get into another topic here. Or last two topics for tonight, and, and that's biggest surprises and biggest letdowns. Um, as Bud Norris is going to get out of the eighth inning by getting, Ooh. it looks like in half on a fly ball, and it looks pretty. Well hit, but the that the air there is just killing everything. So the Cardinals are going into the top half of the ninth with a five to three lead, um, and it looks like Bud Norris will go back out there for the ninth inning. Um, and heck, if he gets into trouble, you might have to tap into Luke Gregerson to uh, to help him out. But uh, back to what I was saying. Let's start with the biggest surprises of the 2018 season so far, and. And in the article that I posted today, I, I wanted to focus on two particular people. And the two people are Jose Martinez and Miles Nicholas. Now, they're not the same kinds of players, but in relative terms of who they are to the Cardinals, I think it's a fair question to ask, who is the bigger surprise of them? So, Dr. Miles, I'm going to turn it to you first, and I'll I'll do the first, I'll go first next time or in the next question. But between Jose Martinez and Miles Nicholas, who has been the bigger surprise for you? Well, I'm terribly biased to Jose Martinez, <laughs> and, and so I will say, and, and having said that about the bias, he's not a surprise to me. Because uh, I did watch him in Memphis. I did see his development last season. Um, so what he's doing this season is not a terrible surprise to me. Miles Miklas or Mykolas or however we're supposed to pronounce his name. The oh, Lizard yeah, King. Michaelis. I'm sorry. It, yeah, it's Michaelis. I never – who would ever think to pronounce it that way? But anyway, <laughs> I, he is a much bigger surprise to me. I was hopeful that he would be this great. I didn't think it would happen. And to be quite honest with you, if you look at his facial expressions during ball games as he's walking off, I don't think I think he's surprising himself as well. So I think that if you gave him the vote, he'd say that he's a the biggest surprise for the Cardinals. Um, just just watch that man walk off the mound. It's almost as though he's stupefied that he managed to get through that inning. And it could just be that stupid porn stash that makes him look that way, but so he's the biggest surprise to me. Yeah, and I think I'm going to agree with you um, just because of numbers from Jose Martinez. You know, he, as a career Cardinal, you know, he's batting over 300. Um, and he's shown you this year even that he can hit. I mean, that's just the, that's what he can do. Um, and sure, there are some shortcomings. And speaking of Jose, he's up to bat right now. But there are some shortcomings on the defensive end of of, of his game. Um, but that's because he has never played first base. And for those people saying, you know, he's just a defensive liability out there, blah, 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 I'm like, okay, but if he can help you win games with the bat, I'm sure you wouldn't complain about it either. 
So, and it's the same thing with Matt Carpenter, although he is not doing either particularly well at this point in his career. Um, but I think Michaelis is a bigger surprise because of the unknown of what he, what, what we didn't know about him. And, you know, we, you know, he get he played in the big leagues for three years, got chased out, goes to Japan and, you know, has a pretty good couple of years there. And now he's back in the big leagues. And the biggest thing was, is could his Japanese baseball transfer over to the MLB? And so far I would have to say that I'm pleasantly surprised with how he's performed. Albeit he, you know, he has a slightly higher ERA, but that was because of one start. All his other starts have been very good, and he's shown the capability of striking out some uh, some batters. Now, the issue I think he runs into is, and others have noted, is that he leaves a lot of off-speed hanging sliders, hanging breaking balls in the zone, and those go a long way if the if the batter times it right. If he can maintain those in the zone, low in the zone, tight spin on the ball, he's going to be a really good pitcher. And I think the Cardinals definitely found a bargain so far in Michaelis. What do you think? I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, he, he was slotted in as the number five starter, and he's performing more like a four and three starter than a five. And, again, I think he's got himself surprised, and that's great. I'm, I'm very happy with it. Right. So then let's move over to the next question, and that is who is the biggest letdown so far in the 2018 season? And I think you might enjoy this debate a little bit more because it might be a little bit harder for you to decide, bias aside. And that is Matt Carpenter versus Colton Wong. And I said I would go first on this one, so I'll stick to my word. It's hard for me to be disappointed in Colton Wong because he hasn't shown so much, but there is some disappointment there because you had such a great year last year only to see you not pick up where you left off, and that is very disappointing for me. On the other hand, we have Matt Carpenter, who was supposed to be your three-hole last year, couldn't do it, tried it again this year, and is struggling to do that. But you would have thought he would have gotten past all this I-can-only-hit-and-lead-off mentality and been the three-hitter the the Cardinals needed all along. I I would have to say that I'm more let down by Carpenter than I am Colton Wong at this point. What do you think, Dr. Miles? Oh, you know, I love that you said it was going to be more difficult for me because it is. Um, And it's made difficult by the fact that Carpenter has shown moments of coming out of the funk. Uh, In example, his hit tonight. Yeah, like tonight. He showed up tonight. If, If that sticks, then I think, you know, if we had the same question in a week, I would hope that the answer, you know, would be a little clearer. To me, and I have not ever really been a Colton Wong fan, and I wanted to be. 
I'm not impressed, and I want to be. And my cousin, who is sort of my go-to, you know, talk about the Cardinals, if it's not my dad, you know, I'm talking to my cousin, and he likes Colton Wong, and he oftentimes says, you know, give, them, give him a chance, he's going to come around, give him, and I, I don't see it. I, I thought the extension that he received was um, probably second in line of bad extensions, only, you know, coming in second behind the Mike Matheny extension. Um <laughs> But Colton Wong is a big disappointment, man. And he came in off the bench tonight. He pinch hit for um, for Wainwright and took a walk. And hey, that's great. We can, we'll we'll take that all day long. But the one that disappoints me, his defense disappoints me. His offense really disappoints me. Um, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but did Greg Garcia start at second tonight? No, he started at third. Carpenter Who started at second? second base today. Okay. All right. Because I missed, the, like I said, the beginning I was listening on the radio and I did not hear the lineups. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you, you put Carpenter at second over Colton just because Colton hasn't been hitting. But, hey, neither has Carpenter. But defensively, you'd rather have Carpenter at second who, by the way, we know he's not very good at second. Although, let's be honest, we know Carpenter's not really good at third, not really good at first. He's serviceable. But, you know, I still think that begs the point. Um, I'm disappointed yeah. in Colton Wong. Yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and I wouldn't blame you. I, I definitely wouldn't blame you. I just – I think the problem with Colton Wong is that, um, you know, he gets in his head a lot. He's very, you know, we call Carlos Martinez emotional, but but so is Colton Wong. Um, he plays with a with a emotional baggage, I think, that can be very devastating to a player. Now the good thing is is that you know he goes out there and tries to do his best, and just when you think he turn he's turning the corner, um, you know he does has another bad game, and you know. What does that mean moving forward for him? You know, that's a good question, and, and I think that's something we will talk about on Thursday's podcast. Is where does the team go with Colton Wong from here if he can't turn it around? the The value in trading him is very reduced because he has not performed. Yes, the contract is nice, and teams will look at that and say, oh, you know, that's not that that's not a lot of money, so we could probably afford that. But the value isn't there. And so the Cardinals have really pickled themselves into a situation. So if, if you're retrospectively looking at all of this now, you would have said, you know what, last year at the end of the offseason, that would have been the time to trade him. And who knows? Maybe that was the case. Maybe they were going to trade him, you know, in the Giancarlo Stanton deal. Um, that could have been the case. Um, but, you know, that's I think that's where you are right now is, is thinking to yourself, boy, I wish he would have performed better and showed us, you know, the side of Colton Wong we saw last year um, but it just wasn't the case, and it hasn't been the case. And, and I think that's why I'm so disappointed or why I'm more disappointed in 
and his performance than Carpenter's because at least with Carpenter, you can expect him to, to do well for every now and then. But, you know, that's that can be very difficult for a player. And as the as young strikes out for the fourth, the fourth time tonight. Well, well, here, check this out. So to your point about Colton Wong, the clock is absolutely ticking. And it's ticking yeah. in the form of Max Schrock. Max Schrock, yeah. who we picked up trade – uh, what did we get him when we sent Piscotti over, or did, yes. or did we get him from? Yeah, anyway, yeah, so, yeah, yeah we did him and, and him and and, Mu- and Munoz for for Piscotti. That's right, that's right. And by the way, Piscotti is now eleven for his last twenty-four, so he's he's finally coming around too. But let me get back to Max Schrock. Here's Max Schrock down in Memphis. He has he's played in, in eleven games. He's had 49 at-bats. Are you ready for his slash? Here's his triple slash. He's batting 408 batting average, 442 on base, 510 slugging. He's hit yeah. 20 hits, two doubles, one home run, accounted for eight RBI, stolen four bases, struck out only three times and taken two walks. And he plays second base. And he's played 44 innings at second base uh, this season for a 1,000 fielding percentage. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I may have to write a comparison article with him and Colton Wong because, uh, you know, looking at range factors. But if you're talking about the clock ticking, the clock is 100% ticking when you've got a guy down in Memphis who costs you chump change. Yeah. And that's not yeah, saying that and... would translate because you could bring him up and he may turn into Colton Wong 2.0. Or my God, he could turn into Randall Gritchick. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and I think you have a really good point there with Max Schrock. Uh, you know, I, all of Memphis seems to be destroying the baseball, and that's good. That that's great news for the Cardinals and Cardinal fans. Um, but it's not so great news for one in particular, Mr. Colton Wong. But we are going to go ahead and end our episode there. Great conversation with you, as always, Dr. Miles, as the Cardinals are into the bottom of the ninth inning with Bud Norris still on the mound, and it looks like he's facing the heart of the order in Bryant Rizzo and, I think, Schwarber, and then Bias to follow should that happen. So Bud Norris does have his work cut out for him, but don't worry. We'll be back on Thursday for Episode 8 of the official Redbird Rants podcast. I'm your host, Tito, and for Dr. Miles, we say good night and go cards. Go cards.